Hi. How are you? It's been a minute since we've last spoken. Since the last podcast, I should say. I've been taking, I took a break um, from posting mainly because I've been soaking in everything, all the feedback I've received. Uh, I just want to say thank you to all my friends who have given me words of encouragement as I, you know, figure this, this whole thing out. I would like to invite you to pause for a second, check in with yourself. How are you feeling? Me personally, I had a a very good day at work. And I saw my mom today. I bought her some tulips. And that made me feel good to see her happy. Got her some carrot juice. Because she's trying to like enhance my ability in taking care of my eyes to have a lot of my eyes are very sensitive so she was quizzing me on all the herbs (laughs) I love my mom Um, but yeah speaking of mothers and fathers grab a cup of tea we're gonna talk about parents, divorce, what that does to a child, and specifically this segues into a short story that I wrote back in high school, my senior year, and there was no prompt. I was just up late one morning, and I was just Like, I was piecing together the lines, like, up until that point, and then I just channeled it out, channeled it out, um, on page. So, the story is called, The Modern Day, Samson and Delilah, and after that, we will chat. A modern day Samson and Delilah. The best time to cry is in the shower. Even the shower has its limits because you have to match your sobs to the sound of the running water. When you're in the shower, you are already vulnerable. In God's eyes, you are as naked as the time you were first born. Because as you transform and get older, you are born again and again. And every time you cry, you're a baby, naive, but mostly vulnerable. Being vulnerable means to be weak. And you're constantly moving, never secure. You have no room to be weak. My backpack consists of travel-sized things. Toothbrush, paste, comb, lotion, a pair of jeans, a few shirts I alternate with, 
pajama pants. The only thing I consider a treasure is the picture of my mother on her wedding day. She's on the right and smiling and young. Her sister, who lives in Mississauga now, and the two haven't been in touch since she left, is center, smiling. On the left of her is a friend, I think, I never got the chance to ask. I imagined she was en route to the church, ready to commit to something. My mother was off-center and white. Her smile never spoke of the future, just what was to face at the end of the aisle. She was genuinely happy. It lasted for four years, barely a year after I was born. I like to think it was my fault so that my parents can take the burden off of each other. In school, when asked about my parents' relationship, I would say with a sure voice, my father divorced me. All the kids would give me strange, skeptical looks until someone corrected me. That was grade four. That was how badly I had put the blame on myself. How badly the blame is still settled in the deep pockets of my being. The blame is travel-sized. I knew my mother's version of the separation, as she puts it. But I never thought of it as a separation, because while even living in different countries, they occupied each other's minds. I know that it was a regular day for her. I know that she dressed me up and took me to the store, only to return with turkey slices and to find the computer and his clothes gone. I didn't know how I felt when she told me, caught in the middle of something foreign, caught in the middle of something. Most people would say I'm too young to understand, but I understood eating with someone who chewed too loudly, even with their mouth closed. That's how I thought it was. They got so tired of each other. A backpack with travel-sized things and my clothes is all I have when I step off the bus. I'm anxious to go back to see my father. I'm afraid that his face will be covered with intersections of a country he grew to know and the crossroads of a country he wished he had never left. I never saw those lines form, never traced them with my painted fingernails and asked him if he was afraid of dying. The taxi drops me off at an unknown complex. My father was always on the move too, and so the door I knocked on wasn't the one I remembered. He opens the door. I smile, and mirrored back at me is the same smile. For dinner, he remembers my favorite tomato choka with roti. We pray and eat with our hands. It's mostly silent and I try not to chew so loudly. After dinner, I tell him I need a shower. He points to where everything is. Bathroom is down the hall. Towel closet is next to it. 
I go in the bathroom and I open up the medicine cabinet. I inspect the pills, the tubes of creams to figure them out. I turn on the water. My shoulders shake as I sit hunched over the toilet crying. As I cry, I let myself be born again. He sat on the couch, facing the television before it happened. They had just moved to a basement apartment. Boxes still sat unpacked. She was talking about her day. It was stressful. She was tired. He cracked a joke. She said it wasn't funny. He tried to make her smile. She asked him to take out the trash. He said, not right now. Come here. She pushed him away. He persisted. She pushed him harder. He was taken aback by her strength. He tried again. So she hit him. And then again, but harder. He didn't do anything. He only watched out the corner of his eye. This wasn't the person he married. He forgave her, and that night they slept like two half-moons in the sky. That wasn't the only time. He took longer hours at work. He was happy to see me awake. When he got home, said that, so that he could strap me in a car seat and drive with the windows down until I was asleep. All that to avoid his wife, who took on a being she tucked away. She wasn't always like this. He brought it out of her as if sticking his hands in her magic hat. She let herself be whole around him again and again. He could try and stop her trembling fists, but he knew she needed this release. He left not to hurt her, but because he knew he wasn't strong enough to take it any longer. I step out of the bathroom with my one set of pajamas. I see him sitting and staring at the television. His eyes glazed over and he can feel his skin turn purple as he remembers. I sit down and he turns to me and smiles. I smile back. I look at his face like a baby. Like a baby does to remember a face. I look at his eyes, his nose, and lips. I ask him if he has any regrets. And I watch the little smiles at the corner of his eyes or the deep parentheses around his mouth as he tells their story. Hello, hello. This is like the, I want to say like the third or fourth time I'm trying to record this last little piece um, of this podcast. And the reason why I believe it took me so long is because after looking over the story and just really soaking in the words that I was saying and that I wrote, I realized that I no longer believe, like, I don't believe it, necessarily. There's still some truth 
to what happened. Um, it's my version of it, and there's still some truth there. But in terms of me and where I'm at right now, like I don't necessarily believe in my parents. <coughs> Excuse me. Being like the only ones for each other. I see my parents as humans, as people who can change as love changes, as seasons change. <coughs> Excuse me. And it's like they're both, my mother and my father, they're both in different relationships. They're both happy and content in those relationships. And honestly, growing out of the mind state of seeing my parents as quote-unquote superheroes has changed how I relate to them. And seeing them as people really, you know, made me connect with them more. Um, But this respect is still present. But yeah, man, divorce definitely takes a toll on a kid on me like me and what I've been through like um yeah I know that always be there and present and it's weird when it's present but it's still it's not like connected it's like one stream is coming from this side one stream is coming from that side but both streams uh have like friction and so you're conflicted a little bit it's, it's weird to decide, especially in the lens of being a child um, but i've been working on restructuring how i think and relate to like my inner kid and to just be grateful to know that both my parents are alive (coughs) excuse me both of them are alive and they're healthy and they both love me regardless of what I write (laughs) or say or do it's unconditional and I'm grateful for that um they both read the story and they both told me you know (coughs) wow excuse me one second They've both told me how they felt. They both told me their sides. And I'm like, okay, yeah, there's three there's three parts to every story. Sure, sure, sure. But my part is the only part that matters, okay? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but yeah, so I'm restructuring how I think, how I relate to myself because you know trauma never really goes away and it's so funny how things have been syncing up until this point because I started to record this this podcast last week and I was reading my words and I was feeling them and then I was thinking about like what I was actually saying and what I meant with certain lines and it was just like I don't feel this way anymore Granted, it's still a beautiful story, and I'm still sharing it, but I just want to let y'all know that I've grown up from the mentality of 
carrying my blame with me of you know that security um i no longer believe that being vulnerable means to be weak like in certain cases yes you have to watch who you're vulnerable with (coughs) but it's okay to be vulnerable and that's tough for me because it's so easy for me to just suppress and be like oh nothing's bothering me but i'm learning to pinpoint the problem and to do the best I can to like work through that um, so that you know the anger or the rage doesn't come up and like cut somebody unintentionally <laughs> but yeah Samson and Delilah I I named it that because if you're familiar with the Bible story, well, if you're not familiar, let me just paraphrase. Uh, it's a Samson and Delilah is a, a story in the Bible about a man, Samson, who had this strength, and the strength was closely connected to his hair, and his strength was given to him by God, and so he met and fell in love with this Philistine woman named Delilah and Delilah pretty much wasn't she her main goal was to just figure out what made him so strong what was it and she kept pestering him and bugging him until one day he was like okay the the secret to my strength is my hair and if I put it up or if I cut it I will lose all my power and Delilah was lit with that information because that same night she cut his hair and the Philistines were able to come and capture Samson. Um, they gouged his eyes out, imprisoned him, and they just took, they sh- literally took his power away. And imagine how Samson felt like loving a woman and just having her take something from him. And that was the main reason why I named it Samson and Delilah because of the dynamic of relationships sometimes where it's like more take than give, where it's not reciprocated. And so if it's not reciprocated, is it, you know, is, is, is it like real love? You know, you got to ask yourself and you know cases yes it is you know love comes in many forms but in terms of giving your power away giving your secrets away you know being vulnerable to that degree where you're powerless is is not okay and the reason why i i in the in the story i'm like he left not to hurt her because he couldn't take it any longer. It's because you sometimes you just have to like detach yourself from what's taking so much of you. And it's just like it, it can be tough, you know, cuz you know, imagine you're your father and you're just starting this family. But all of a sudden you're in a position where you 
you have to walk away to keep your manliness, to keep your integrity to yourself. You have to hold yourself accountable of what am I going to take? What's what's the line for me? You know? <clears throat> so that's why um, Samson and Delilah is the title. Um, yeah, like, this story, I was just... I remember I was I was homeless in high school my senior year and I had a lot going on but my parents were on my mind and I remember it being like two in the morning and I had my phone my phone out and I was just writing like just getting everything off my chest and once I was finished it felt good like I felt a weight lifted off it was like my inner kid was like yeah this is that release I needed so let me know what y'all think um I'm probably gonna put a trigger warning with this just because relationships and your parents is is kind of a sensitive issue sorry if you can hear the sirens I'm by you and 14th right now just hanging out but yeah let me know what resonated with you I'd love to hear your thoughts um, and your words on your experiences as a kid and the dynamics you saw with your parents Um, because those are the things that shape you you know because they impact you in some way but I love my parents to death they both I know they both love me. I'm I'm the I'm their only child. But my father has uh seven kids altogether and my mom I'm my mom's only child. So I'm I don't know, I feel blessed. I feel like I'm kind of an only child, but I'm not because I didn't grow up I grew up with my siblings, yes, but I've been apart for them for like twelve years, so it's like I'm I have experience growing up with siblings, and I love them to death, but I'm also like an only child because like me and my mom were like best friends, so it's weird. I have a big family, but yes, thank you so much for listening. Let me know what you think. Tweet me, text me, Instagram, all that good stuff. Let's connect. Let's talk. Peace.